the year is 2002. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is my marvelous year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, where we go through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book master, and I'm joined today by Dave, who in college went by the nickname of O-Force. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, there is a, uh, this might give away my location, but there's a breakfast spot in Illinois called the Juicy O. <laughs> <laughs> Do you and, make that joke every time? You drive by with your wife and go, that was my nickname. <laughs> Every time. We've never been there, but it's got decent reviews, but it's like, how could you go there? Oh, incredible naming. But yes, hey, thanks That's... for having me. And uh, and also joined by Charlotte, whose nickname in college right now is the Bush Ranger. Welcome, Charlotte. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to know how that translates in French. I wouldn't even know how to translate in French. I use the English name and everyone's confused, but I'm just like, yeah, you know what that means. And no one knows what it means. They don't even speak the language. You know, the yep. part of that joke that I enjoy the most is that you're still in college. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. It's right now. What Wish a, that what was a good joke. joke about anyone here being that young. Uh, from now on, we'll go and welcome into the podcast, The Bush Ranger, uh, our comic yep. book rainbow belt. Yes, please. Definitely one of the most underrated Power Rangers, I think. I, I don't. I feel like <laughs> didn't get enough shine, you know. The Australian Power Ranger. Who are your Ranger. favorite? Who are your favorite Power Rangers? Both of you. Oh boy, um, you assume a lot of about me and the. Uh, I'm actually. I'm Rangers actually assuming you don't have one, so I feel like I've. I've yep, I like. One. I think there's a pink one. <laughs> I don't know. You you would like the pink um, one, Zach? I was not allowed to watch Power Rangers. Yeah, as a kid. for Too some much reason, my. I, I don't know why, because my parents, like, I mean, they were mildly strict, but that was, like, a, one of the weird things that they just kind of dug their heels in about. Yeah. But then they let me watch, like, what is it, um, Big Bad Beetleborgs at <laughs> the same time, so I was a Big Bad <laughs> Beetleborg kid. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, uh, I, w- I wonder, sorry, no. there must have been a wave, maybe some listeners can confirm this, was there, like, a wave of media about the dangers of Power Rangers, like teaching kids karate or something. Like, I feel like this influenced more parents than just yours. Like, maybe they're, you know, like the satanic panic in the 80s. Was there, like, ranger danger in the early 90s, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe just because it was violent. Like, the violence is built in. Like, it's a show built around fighting. I don't know. As, <laughs> unlike I'm sure my mother unlike would have every no, cartoon I watched, <laughs> a la Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men, yep. Spider-Man. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't allowed to watch that either, to be clear. Oh, but really? Spider-Man was fine. I don't know why Spider-Man was okay. I watched a ton of that. But but not TMNT? Yeah, not a lot. Oh, okay. Which really stung because as a kid, uh, a family friend, which is a weird present, bought me Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle underwear <laughs> uh, when I was like six or seven. Yeah. and uh, And it was like... I can wear the underwear, but I can't watch the show. Wow. Wow. Um, you were really a as, hero in a half show. As with most things that were, like, you know, miserable for me as a child, if I asked my parents, like, why did you do that to me? They'd be like, oh, I don't even remember doing that. <laughs> <I'd be> like, 
I think about it every night. Yeah. I think about how I couldn't watch Power Rangers. And this explains so much. Yeah. This explains mm-hmm. so much, yeah. I think, about about where we are and what you are like. Um, just it, Okay, I <laughs> appreciate that, that backdrop uh, as to your origins. Um, Charlotte, there's no way you've ever... Have you ever seen a Power Rangers episode? I don't think I yeah, have. I, have Sorry. No, I don't know why you would have. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Let's I talk. mean, I oh, think it was on TV when I was a kid, but like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Honestly, Zach, like, wh- was... you not being allowed to watch Power Rangers makes you more like a Zoomer than like you're always saying, right? Because now you're like, yeah, it's not one that I think like Zoomers are going back to. Uh, yeah, it's maybe not that not. good, right? Like, I, I've seen it as an adult. It's it's kind of kitschy and fun-ish, but it's not one you sit down to watch five seasons of. <laughs> yeah, that's what we didn't. I, at least when I when I was a kid in France, we didn't really get like live action kid shows, uh, and the way that Power Rangers is like we watched. I don't know Scooby Doo. Teen- like people watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but like I don't know. There's something about the fact that Power Rangers was live action that feels more dated. Mm. Weirdly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it wasn't wasn't at all a thing when I was a kid. It's definitely easier to go back to old animation. Yeah, I think with those mm-hmm. expectations. Sure. Um, speaking uh, of things we're going back to, let's talk about yeah. 2002 Part 4 Comics. <laughs> what a segue. All <laughs> runs <laughs> all runs that we are continuing from 2001, X-Force, which transitions here into Ecstatics, Exiles, and then we have a Patreon-requested four-issue miniseries, Chamber, written by the Brian K. Vaughn. Thank you to Patreon backer Kyle S. for your support of My Marvelous Year, which made the inclusion of Chamber mandatory for all reading along in the club. Now, if you want to add comics of your own to the list, first off, reconsider. It's a big challenge. It's a big ask. <laughs> um, we're going to hold you to, we're going to hold you up to the fire if you do such yeah, a thing. We're going to roast you. Yeah, mm-hmm. but if you want to, if you have the confidence to do it and the the means, you can go to patreon.com/mymarvelousyear and all that support is incredibly, incredibly appreciated. That's also the best way to get all the, the comics that we're reading, get the full reading list. Uh, but otherwise, you can find all the issues in the show notes, and you can find versions of things over on mymarvelousyear.com, although that is increasingly outdated, especially as patrons add issues. Um, so the, the best way to do it definitely is the show notes and, and the Patreon backing. Look, adding, adding a comic to the My Marvelous Year list is a huge responsibility, and it's either going to bring the greatest shame down on your head uh when we read it and decide that it's terrible or the the greatest honor and glory yeah if you bring something truly excellent we didn't know about yeah Yeah, just just remember that you will be kicked out of the slack if the comic you propose isn't good enough we don't we don't mention the penalties up front yeah (laughs) we kind of we kind of slow bake those in based on it's it's not that you get kicked out of the slack I, I do uh I do make you put the you know how on Twitter you have a little check mark next to your name if you pay Elon Musk whatever money a month you know to say that you're like important oh you pay it, for it, them to get them the check mark to humiliate them <laughs> to embarrass them yeah, no yeah. in the Slack you will have to have a clown emoji next to your name from now on oh okay <laughs> that's pretty good yeah if you have a bad comic so Kyle S let's uh. The, the sword of Damocles is hanging over your head for this episode. All right, should we go in order, or should we should we start with the Patreon back? Should we? What do you think? Let's go in order. Let's let's start out with something truly great. Okay, Just so I included on the table. literally all of the X Force and X Statics this year. Um, <clears throat> so it it's it remains one of the funniest things 
in Marvel history, at least as comic names go, that this book was called X-Force for as long as it was. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like yeah. I mean, I guess it plays off of kind of how ridiculous that is and how X-Force sells and kind of the Liefeld parody, I think, that's going on with the character um, Spike Freeman. But uh, it's so absurd that this didn't rebrand X. I mean, sales-wise, I guess I get it. But after, you know, six issues of of the calling this X-Force and people who like, like, can you imagine the readers in 2002 who were like, you know, big X-Force heads, you know, read all the, the nineties mm-hmm. runs and were like, and we're picking this book up. Like, there's no way they kept buying this thing after like two, can three I, issues. Can I, I was going to, I was going to save this for later, but can I read a letter? Uh, <laughs> Please. This probably, of, this probably makes the exact point I was guessing at. So many, because X-Statics, once that moves over to that, they start printing the letters and you're starting to get all the letters that came at the end of the Ecstatics X-Force run, which is something like 20 issues in at that point. So it's almost two years into this run and people are still writing letters regularly about this. I I love this letter. Hey, X-Force people, I've written a gaggle of letters to Marvel in general about the X-Titles and you are no safer. I hate this comic so much. I would love to use the pages for puppy training paper. However, that would require my buying the book, which would be misconstrued as supporting it. The idea of the artwork being retro is cool, but not worth replacing the classic team of Cable, Domino, Siren, Warpath, Sam, Meltdown, Richter, etc. The Pete Wisdom X-Force deal had such potential, and I guess your sales were sucking on the book. Which I don't understand, because I've been faithful until now and couldn't see the problem. Which is <laughs> funny for two reasons, because <laughs> I bought the book, so I don't know how sales could be bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'd really funny. Um, I single-handedly bought, but bought I, like I want to point 5,000 copies of the I don't understand how this could sink. <laughs> yes, right. I was reading online on the Wikipedia page for this. Sales were good for X-Force. It was not a diminishing sales issue. Joe Quesada, it was a critical issue. He didn't like that X-Force was um, so critically panned and uh, and was wanted to change it up, which is really interesting. Um, yeah. How often Joe does Quesada that happen? Like, this, and Jimmy this sells well, but had good flipping yeah. taste. Good yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Quesada had like... Someone had worked, I think, was it Casada had worked, like, at Vertigo as an editor uh, with Mike Allred or as, with uh, Milligan with... Um, I don't think Casada ever worked Shade, as an editor at Vertigo. I can't remember. Some, um, someone but, had, but also, well like, had already worked with Milligan at Vertigo. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the rest of this letter. Anyhow, this book is not X-Force by far. It's crap. Boring crap. I believe in the writers and artists that make Marvel a force to be reckoned with, but I know a crap comic when I see it, and I have even less respect for the people who buy them. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I miss the once in a blue moon shiny foil covers that y'all would put out now and then. If you want to save X-Force, and yes, I know a number of people who think it needs saving, ask Grant Morrison to write it every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to keep these new brats in circulation, then give them a title like Crap Force and put the old team on X-Force. Whatever you do, I, I promise this is going somewhere. Whatever you do, I understand... But don't just cast great characters away if they aren't paying the bills. Try different combinations or more crossovers. <laughs> Sometimes when you try to achieve, overachieve obsessively, you overfail. Until Alpha Flight returns to the shelves, make mine Marvel. Oh, and if they do return no. to the shelves, you make mine really Marvel. Because they were cool. Letter. And look what happened when that book got revamped. Ryan Love via the internet. <laughs> Did you? I love did that you write? Well, wait, Brian Love. That's a nickname. That you wrote that. That's a pseudonym. <laughs> Little you wrote that letter. Zach. You are Brian Love. Uh, yep. That's a good nickname. Uh, yes, I, first I, of I really, <laughs> I, I liked that letter. Okay, two uh, that, two two I key thoughts here. Okay, one, yeah. all 
angry comic book YouTubers should have to return to being angry letter writers. Okay, mm-hmm. we should make that transition. Mm-hmm. Like, h- how much healthier is society <laughs> when we can just poke fun at, at letters in the back of comics? And two, Joe Quesada, Bill Jameis, Peter Milligan, Mike Allred, everyone involved, they were so right. <laughs> they were so incredibly right. What good instincts. What good instincts. What a call to change this book into what it is. It's so good, mm-hmm. and it holds up so flipping well. Uh, oh, man, just like... You know, like, let's give a little credit where it's due. The audacity, you know, to change this book into mm-hmm. X-Force x Statics, Like, that's not an easy thing to have done, necessarily. Um, and they had the conviction to do it, and they were so right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially especially saying, like, yeah, it sells well, but, like, you know, critics just think it stinks. And, like, look at it. It does stink. Because <laughs> it did stink. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's good. Do we want to pause for a second? Charlotte has vanished. Oh, weird. See, on mine it says Charlotte is the one who's still oh. here, but obviously I can No, sorry. That's, you. <laughs> that, no, it says Charlotte Fierro Jr. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. So, joke I was playing on Charlotte earlier. A classic Charlotte, gag. He didn't realize... <laughs> Charlotte, he didn't realize that you had gone because it still said Charlotte. Oh. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was just you, Charlotte, but then Zach kept talking, and I was like, oh, I guess yep. I guess I, you know, I guess he's still here because it says it's Charlotte Fierro Jr. <laughs> didn't know she was a junior, but cool. Nope, it's, uh, yeah, my Wi-Fi decided to shut down. Sorry. If I could have been anything growing up, it would have been a junior because of Ken Griffey Jr., that would have been, that was my oh, one really? wish mm. that I could have also been a junior. <laughs> but specifically wanted to be Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, specifically, Dave, yes, but if not that, at mm-hmm. least a junior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, yes, the, the actual backstory of this comic is just very interesting. Like, I, I wonder how many times that, that that's happened. Because it didn't translate. I think it sold okay, but I don't think it did great. And especially when it moved to Ecstatics, I think it started doing worse weirdly because <laughs> it just well it's not that weird because you probably had plenty like a number of hangers on who were just lists, like i just right? have all the x-force like, issues and i'll ride this out um, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. what i do I and then so. you rebrand to ecstatics and it's like <laughs> does it do milligan and allred have the juice and the critical acclaim to sell like crazy and i mean it's not surprising that the answer might have been no yeah. although it yeah. still goes for I another so. what is it 30 issues almost 22 issues 22. Like yeah that? yeah yeah, um, and then and then they've been doing stuff since like every now and then, like two thousand six. They had a five issue minis. They're doing something right now, right? Isn't there like an the excellence? Yeah. yeah, no, they're back. Coming they're back to the brand. Now. I mean, it's that's nostalgia hunting stuff that I'm not as into. But the, it, you know what? It actually is. It reminds me a ton of Arrested Development, um, both in terms of like reception and kind of like the people who got it so got it, you know, in the like because they're coming out basically at the same time. Um, and then every time they've returned since, it's sort of like, like, no, we had our moment. Diminishing yeah. like, returns. We had our time. You know, it was it was good. Yeah. You know, I, bummer. I'm actually and, surprised it went for so long. Like, I, I was yeah. seeing on Marvel Limited, like you said, that it goes on for, like, maybe 30 issues. Like, that's surprising to me. I had never read uh, Ecstatics or the X-Force parts of Ecstatics. And I always imagined it was, like, maybe a, a 10, 15-issue series. Like, a, a small thing that yeah. happened in, 2000, in the early 2000s that was, like... A single thing, but no, it goes on for a bit, and I'm like, I mean, I'm surprised it's able to keep going and be as good as long as we read for for so far. Um, like, I'm curious to see if it keeps that up, uh, even like for the initial run of, of 30, 40 issues. 
Um, I'm, I'm not surprised that like it coming back years later wasn't as good, but even even like it being able to keep the quality as high for like what, what have we read for the show? Like maybe 20, 25 issues total. Like it's it's surprising. It's it's impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I do think like agreed. Yeah. Like, listen, if you're not into it, you know, if you're like, I don't get this. Like reading. 15 more issues isn't going to win you over <laughs> like it's you know what it is you know <laughs> it's yeah. not building like more you know, yeah something new and and once it transitions to ecstatics too it's like it is purely a name change like it's not there's not some significant yeah change in direction or turn Seems like they got like more money or something to like it looks nicer it seems like maybe they had more time or something there's there's it, it looks like i mean i think like they built up some acclaim at that point you know um yeah. built up a little yeah, bit maybe. of hype in the critical communities because you know you get a Darwin Cook back up at the end of the first issue of Ecstatics, you know that's mm-hmm. that's a number one launch, with with sales aspirations, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, Charlie. Like the fact that this goes as long as it does with Milligan and Allred doing almost all of it, you know. And then when you do have filling artists, it's like Duncan Forgrado, who's done a ton of Hellboy stuff, or Paul Pope, who's like really acclaimed in the like you get these Ooh, really get interesting fill-ins as well. I missed that one. Or is that is that, is that coming up? Paul Pope. Paul Pope's the first uh, or this. What is he? Is he the first issue of XX? No, that wouldn't that couldn't be right. Second issue, maybe. Now I'm now I'm blanking, no. but I saw Paul Pope at one point. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I totally missed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, cool. You know what? It, too. So like last time we Number talked five, a lot about Peter Milligan, I think, mm-hmm. and and the writing and the commentary and the satire and the openness and frankness to discuss issues of race or sexuality, right, and things that just are like never discussed with anywhere near the nuance. They are here in Marvel Comics, you know, and just kind of the value of that. Yeah. Plus, feels... just in a fun, humorous book. Um, yeah. We did not focus on Mike Allred nearly as much. And Mike Allred and Laura Allred coloring, like, what a revelation. Like, this style is so joyous to look at. You will, and, and that's the thing is, like, anytime Allred pops on a Marvel series, it always becomes like a critical darling just by virtue of Allred's style being so consistent and fun. Like, I don't think there's mm-hmm. ever been a book that the Allreds have been on where people are like, oh, I don't know about that one. Like, it always has success, at least critically. Yeah, I mean, he... I, I think we did talk about it. <laughs> at least some. Like, I remember talking but about it's, it. But it's but a better like, setup if I say we didn't and then make it sound... Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> we're saying yeah, I can't now. believe we, like, we went a whole episode not even mentioning his name last time yeah. because this work is... <laughs> mind-blowing the, the i mean one of the cool things it's so face oriented right i mean it's so it does so much amazing stuff but like one of the things that really grounds this comic emotionally is how uh how much like emotion and like character character work is just done in the faces um and you know i, I mean it it it, it kind of has that um oh god i can never remember the artist on that justice league international run but like you know it's following that philosophy of like oh you kevin can get, mcguire <clears throat> yeah right you can you know all, all the personality doesn't need to come across in the text it can also come across like through the characters and how they like are looking at one another and you know sarcasm might not show up in the text but it can show up on their face mm-hmm. and then you will read the text as sarcastic yeah um yeah yeah it's really uh it's really personable that way yeah and i appreciate how like i i wasn't there so for the first episode so like this is kind of the first michael red uh, thing i read we didn't talk the about all red just so you yeah know. <laughs> yeah sorry um but like i'm it feels refreshing to me how cartoonish and stylistic his style is for like for a kind of comic or like kind of satirical comic that would 
don't know, it feels like that kind of comic usually has a more realistic, sometimes over-realistic style mm. um, for, for its characters. And I really appreciate how cartoonish it is and how it can it, it can look dumb without having to be, like, to put the superhero thing in the context of, like, oh, this is how superhero would be in the real world. Like, it's like, no, they're, right. like, they have bright costumes, but that's not what the joke is. Oh, that's not what's made fun of uh, here. That's like that feels very refreshing for a superhero, a satirical superhero comic. Uh, like I, I don't know the it may the comparison to the boys stuff like that like mm. was in my mind for a lot of it because it it really doesn't feel like a Marvel comic. Like it feels I, it, it very much like doesn't. an independent. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking like, Charlotte that like we we could have slotted this into our extra issues. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Superhero subversion like, thing better than some of the comics we actually read. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. This, this is Less more than a, Sleeper. Yeah. Like more of a subversion than Sleeper is. But yeah, like it feels weird to see Wolverine in this comic. Like he, how is that yeah. the Marvel universe? Like they don't feel part of. Like yeah, the way they, I don't know the, like the Marvel universe is full of very different comics with very different styles. But like this feels so out of left field and so different, in a way. Um, it's like the closest that, thing that Marvel has to a Vertigo title, I think. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> um, which is That's like, like it's really plane. successful, but I also like, I don't know how it will work. Because like, it's a Marvel thing. I'm sure it will be worked into some other series at some point. I'm sure we'll see them, some of those characters in, a, in the X-Men series at some point. Uh, but I like, mean, not really. feels like that will, I mean, <laughs> like, Dupe, I'm sure. I'm sure Dupe shows Dupe, up yes. in plenty of stuff. Dupe, plenty yes. of stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I don't really know for the other characters. I know Dupe is popular and probably appears here and there, which Dupe is so Dupe's fun. silent, like, you know? Great Dupe's idea. easy to, like, slot in. <laughs> well, just because you Dupe's don't understand kind of like, his language doesn't mean he's silent. I do refuse. People on the Slack have been pointing out that, like, yeah, you can translate. There is a Dupe like, translator, you know, which I have And I, I refuse too. to do it because I, I feel like that kind yeah, of Yeah, it feels funnier <laughs> without the translation. It's better, yeah, it's better sure. to not translate it, I would actually argue. Um, yeah. When I have well, done it, once it's in a while, like he's disappointing almost. Yeah, and he doesn't talk very often. <clears throat> but like him saying something, and then like everyone in the room just like doubling over with laughter. It's is the, it's so the good thing. when you don't yeah. know what it is, right? I mean, it's it's what the MCU has done with Groot, where it's like those who can understand him, like that's a hilarious joke, and it's actually mm -hmm. funnier yeah. than anything. Like your imagination can cock something funnier than yeah, the way you can sure. actually put mm -hmm. in there, right? Yeah, um, yeah, Charlotte, you're spot on. That like this does not feel like. It, it does feel like an indie series. It's funny. I actually had somebody, I forget where, but they were talking to me about the MCU and they were like, um, you know, they should, what they should do is they should launch an imprint that's not connected in continuity, which I thought was kind of funny. It's like a really bad idea. It's like, it's like, yeah, like <laughs> agents of shield and the Netflix, like we've been down that road. Um, but the one thing that then did occur to me is like, Oh, like that's where ecstatics would fit. Like ecstatics should be yeah. its own disconnected thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but referencing sort of a vague general remembrance of the X-Men and you can do a Wolverine cameo and it's just sort of the, it's not the incontinuity Wolverine. It's just like the, you know, the platonic ideal or yeah. whatever. Um, it doesn't matter what, it, what else is happening in the Marvel universe in X-Force and X-Statics. It is, it is wholly its own thing. And it is, I mean, the fact that this got, they got to do that for 40 issues basically um, really like, I just that stuff doesn't happen anymore and i think that's yeah you know as folks are reading along with us like comics do not get those opportunities at marvel since i don't know 2013 like it's been like a decade now 
you know especially comics that are so different from like the marvel norm i guess like cause this doesn't look or feel like any other marvel comics uh at the same time like yeah yeah, yeah it's really impressive i really hope i like i think I'm, I'm gonna keep reading this even if we don't read the other issues for the club which i don't know if we do um we yeah we're, we are. Read, we're skipping uh six through eleven and then we're gonna okay. read 12 through 18 next year so yeah, I'm definitely gonna read six through eleven. Yeah, but like I'm, I really hope it doesn't get old. Like <laughs> I, I really hope it can keep going and be be as fun towards to, to through the end. Um, yeah, like very very fun comic. I like it. It'd be disappointing if by the end I'm like ah maybe it should have ended earlier. Yeah. Because um, like yeah, it's a, it's really fun and good that it got to to play around for that longer time. Uh, Zach so and we Charlotte. We talk a lot and oh go, uh, just yeah, before. Sorry. Before you go in, Zach, yeah, maybe yeah. you're going to do it. I, basically, I just want to ask you, like, what are the things that stood out to you from this run? Like, are there ideas mm, yeah. or commentaries and things that, that you well, found most notable? I well, we think talked it... about... Uh, well, no, go ahead. Charlotte, go ahead. I, I, have, I have a setup to that, yeah, that yeah, might, go ahead. Like, kick you off. I, we talked a lot about, like, the, the celebrity reality TV satire last time, mm-hmm. yeah. I think. Um, but something we didn't talk about, and I'm curious both of your thoughts on it, is the the satire of superheroes. Yeah. Um, because before it felt like they were doing like superhero as celebrity, but it didn't really feel like it was like satirizing superheroes or superhero comics necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of using those as a vector to make fun of celebrities. Um, but I got a little bit more of the like maybe mildly poking fun of like what superhero comics are. And I wanted to see like what, what do you both think that like Peter Milligan thinks of superheroes through this book? That's an interesting question. I don't... I don't know. It does feel still more like a, a like celebrity satire than a superhero satire, even by the end or by the end of what we read. Um, there's some stuff about like the the violence in the superhero fights and like superhero fights in a more realistic context, uh, more more military like. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It feel it doesn't feel like that's the point of the comic at all. Uh, far from it. Uh, if, uh, and as far as like what Peter Milligan thinks of it, I don't know. I. It does feel like he still loves superhero comics. That I mean, the the way he plays with them and the like, it, it never feels like the superhero parts of their their stories is the joke. Um, like yeah, very, I'm just very rarely. The, yeah, like there's a there's whole there's like maybe two or wink. three issues in space yeah. with very like science fiction stuff that's never like really part of the jokes. It's just the context therein, uh, which I do really love. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I don't really have an example of a time where it's like really focused on subverting a thing of superhero comics. Um, but maybe like I'm just not thinking of a. Of I mean, I think the the intersection example, but, yeah. of Milligan's focus and the satire of it is the characters are all so self obsessed and celebrity obsessed yeah. that the superheroic motivations are completely inverted. Right. So whereas you'd have an X-Men squad going into space, freeing hostages because they're sworn to protect a world that fears and hates them. In Ecstatics, you have a crew that is doing it for selfish reasons and openly selfish reasons and kind of being celebrated and loved (laughs) by the world for that. You know, so I feel like there is a lot of intersection on that level in the characterization. I mean, I think to your point, Charlotte, like Milligan, Milligan is so much less nasty or mean-spirited yeah. than Ennis on the boys, for example. And mm-hmm. that is yeah. why I like this book so much more uh, because it it can make a similar point about, like, oh, I think people would behave more like this. Um, yeah. Even, even like, Miller and Ultimates feels like... Uh, 
an accurate comparison at the same time, like, and also in the Marvel sphere of like superheroes, be like the superhero team also being celebrities. And like, it feels way nastier when Miller is doing it. Like, it feels like he kind of hates superheroes and feels like superheroes would only be like this. Mm-hmm. Was in, in Ecstatics, feel like, yeah, the. It's because they're celebrities, like, and other superheroes aren't treated as such in the same universe. Uh, like, I, I guess Which maybe is... that helps in that way that it is part of the Marvel universe where, like, other heroes aren't treated that way, aren't treated as celebrities. Like, yeah. the the FF or the X-Men don't have, like, a, a rep team or, like, a, a, I don't know, someone who sells toys for them. Like, that's not really a thing that's important uh, in their comics. Like, so it, it, it helps the, the aesthetics feel like their own thing and apart from the from the rest of the universe like it makes it's it's uh, puts what makes them different and more interesting uh like mm-hmm. it really enhances that i guess i also the boys has a lot of like boys and i don't, I don't know if, i don't know if miller has a cohesive you know like uh, directed <laughs> anger yeah 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 but like ennis at least like you know has this disdain for superhero comics but like one of the reasons i can't get behind that is because i'm like well, yeah, I don't know. Like, he has a disdain for the people who read them. Like, it's just the, like, you know, like, look at all the idiots who will, like, eat this slop up. But he's not, like, particularly critiquing them in any interesting way. Yeah. So I feel like what Milligan, I mean, when he does have, like, when he's pointing the gun at superhero comics, it's at, like, the way that they've become, like, I think, like, 90s comics and, like, publishing stuff so i think the way that x-force is manipulated or nextatics is manipulated as a team i think is was what he's doing to reflect like what superhero comics do to keep people reading so like yeah ecstatics the team will be talking about like yeah they just died but oh, sorry knock, knocked my mic over ecstatics uh you know they'll have lost somebody on the team but they'll have to say out loud like yeah we can't mourn we have to get a new member because the public's expecting you know new members of the team right which is something in the publishing world yeah. of like yeah. you know we need to fill in these rosters right we can't actually explore spend time with the like the grief of losing somebody which this comic does i, I do want to talk about that but like there's also a moment here that like kind of unlocks some stuff for me in ecstatics number three where um tyke goes off to the anarchist goes and like is going on a road show and he talks about uh like he doesn't even need to do superhero stuff. He's like going and just showing off his powers on stage. Yeah. Uh, and he says, uh, "This is the new age of superheroes. We don't fight anyone. We don't save the world. We don't do good." And Orphan says, "So what's the point of us if we don't use what we are for good? What do we do?" And Tyke says, "We entertain." And I kind of feel like that's mm. maybe a little jab at like '90s X comics of like losing their heart of you know like that jack kirby like <laughs> at least i'm trying to take a stance against something and you know like have our heroes stand for these higher ideals even if you know it's, it's somewhat juvenile to like this comic's about these people fighting and it's about everyone looking cool and it's about like selling action figures and like kind of yeah. losing its soul uh a little bit i think like that that's the closest it gets to like really harshly critiquing those books to me yeah um is is on that level so, but I, I like your your point, Charlotte. I I agree about the I think the Ennis Miller comparison is interesting. yeah. I do also think like even the the stuff with um with the uh, the anarchists 
uh, being like, I don't want another black guy on the team because like there can o only be one black guy in each team of, of superhero comics. So mm, I mean, if he's sure. in, I'm out. Uh, like that feels kind of a commentary on like superhero teams and and like yeah, black the, people the in superhero comics. Like to, I mean, yeah, same with gay characters. Yeah. Yeah, and I I kind of like how I don't know refreshingly messy it is in a in a good yeah. way when it talks about social issues in that way because like even the gay or black characters are still like messy people but mm -hmm. like that doesn't make the commentary less i don't know maybe biting isn't the, the right word but like less interesting uh, like it's messy but not in a way that like the author doesn't know what he's doing it's messy because it's yeah. about messy yeah. people and i think that's like <laughs> very interesting and, and rare in especially in superhero comics yeah yeah, well, the, the the other thing, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because it is like, um, it, it does feel in contrast to how, it, it's interesting that like this is happening in 2002, uh, yeah. because like we do get a lot of, actually all three comics mention homosexuality one way or another, either like explicitly or just kind of in the background, which yeah. is interesting, yeah. like seeing that sea change just in this, the three comics we read here. Um, but this is the one that I think most like dives into it. <clears throat> And, uh, one, we get some good, like, hate mail about that. Um, <clears throat> I just like this little thing out of the letter. Uh, what a disappointment. It's sad when a comic as different as yours becomes a medium for pushing a lifestyle I tend to be morally opposed to. Now, this, this is the part that I really thought was funny. I don't hate homosexuals. I'm not a crazy religious person. I just think homosexuality, go homosexuality goes against natural law. <laughs> I think that's really good. Like, I'm not crazy. I just made up yeah. rules in my head. <laughs> Yeah. For how people should behave. Um, anyway, the... Yeah, I was telling Rose, I was like, this is, like, so interesting because I feel like Marvel has shied away from getting real... Like, this is really messy stuff. Like, people acting outwardly homophobic because they're dealing with their inward homophobia, like, internalized homophobia of, like, yeah. coming out, being unsure of their sexuality and having that, like, cause them to lash out in some, like, troublesome ways. Um Think I don't of, know. I, think like, of how I'm many comics we'd be reading in, trying like, to do those things where the conversation we'd be having would be, and it doesn't work and it's a mess. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here yeah. it's just like, no, it's a mess, and that's kind of the point. Um and it's it's so balanced in in ways that Does are very stuff impressive. In modern Marvel do anything like similar? Because like my my impression of like introducing, you know, gay characters to modern Marvel and DC, and you know, I might be totally off base, but when I read it it feels much more I don't want to say pandering, but much more like reassuring of just kind of like, yeah, gay people can be superheroes too. And that's all we're doing. Like introducing a gay superhero and stripping all the politics out of that and all the kind yeah. of like strife away from that, which, which I understand that impulse, right? Like to not have to be, you know, like struggle porn kind of uh, like for, for people or what's the, the word I'm looking for? <laughs> struggle porn. Um, you, you I, I would appreciate though, if right? you stopped no, yeah. sharing my search history. You know, yeah, I mean, like... yeah, it's rarer for it to feel messy in a good way. Usually, when it feels messy, it's because like it doesn't reflect Exploited anyone's it. actual experience. Uh, whereas yeah. here, like it, it's messy because it's about messy people, but that feels realistic. Well, and I think the magic. Uh, and trick... Yeah, I guess it it is rarer in in modern Marvel. I think the magic trick with ecstatics compared to modern Marvel is ecstatics can by its very premise, choose to very openly talk about the perception and sort of the media benefits of having gay characters on the team, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like Vivisector mm -hmm. and Fats, the whole, they, they, they pretend to be gay originally 
because they think it will get them more attention in the media. And then they discover they actually have feelings for each other. Right. And then you're like, oh, okay, you were both into this idea because you probably felt something, right? Like there was something in you that led you to being like, well, let's just, ju- <laughs> haha, what if we kiss? Haha. <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. And, <laughs> like, and a it's handled that and then surprisingly well. But yeah. I think the thing, the difference in, in modern Marvel is you might have a character, right, who comes out as gay. And that's a big win for where Marvel's been historically. But you the people who are then clamoring for like, oh, they're just doing it for attention and for woke points and whatever talking points they're using. Like Milligan and Allward kind of just like snuff out that argument by owning mm-hmm. it and having it be the very yeah. premise <laughs> through which Ecstatics operates. I don't know. I, and, every and every also book the can't fact do that, are, but I do feel not, like it has value here. Yeah, and also the fact that they are not woke characters. Like one of them is a white guy who culturally appropriates like black slang and everything. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. at the end... Then, the, the joke at the end is that, like, because they've been struggling, like, with both trying to figure out, like, are they gay? Are they not? And at the end, they're like, we've both decided we're both gay. We're just not into each other. And then one of the white guy is just like, yeah, I'm into brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, it's a good joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like all that. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. Although I will give, we'll talk about Exiles soon. Exiles does an okay job of this, of not just, like, kind of casting it aside. It's It's not as good as this and doesn't feel as like adult it feels uh, like it's gonna be a train wreck and then it it actually handles it (laughs) pretty decently it's just it's a little bumpy but it's not so bad but milligan like milligan's one of the first people where it's just like writing this comic and you're like oh you've spent like significant time with gay people probably right like you seem like somebody who (laughs) well i mean you should read peter milligan's enigma uh his 90s vertigo series which is all about you know the protagonist essentially coming to terms with their homosexuality um i mm, i haven't read i i'm so interested to read more I, you should definitely read enigma it's held up as as a really interesting example of early-ish queer comics um mm. and it's handled very well i don't i don't know milligan's own status of sexuality i guess it's besides the sure. point it's definitely yeah. someone who has put in the time and the work yeah um yeah yeah in in discussing w- whereas a lot of these other ones feel theoretical right like <laughs> they've definitely read about a gay person <laughs> yeah. which you know in in like 2000s it, it was not as I, I don't know like people weren't as openly gay right in a lot of places in the country it was that has progressed accepted. that so, has actually progressed so you know just knowing a gay person uh if you are a straight person was could be much rarer uh even if you were you know well but it's like you said minded. like we have th- we read three comic series today all of which include gay characters that has literally mm-hmm. never been yeah. true in our My Marvelous Year journey, right? So, like, yeah. that is that is pushing the the needle forward in whatever, you know, whatever metric you want to judge that by. That is a good thing for Marvel Comics. And, and the only one of them that is kind of, like, a very special issue is a little bit Exiles, but not even so much. It's more, like, character-focused than, you know, it's not like that Alpha Flight issue we read, which was clearly... You know, trying to be like worlds beyond that. Take a stance. Yeah, yeah. Worlds yeah. beyond that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Agreed. Uh, because we've we've been talking about this for a while. One more thing I just want to talk about is the death of Edie Sawyer here. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the big, like, big monumental event in the middle of this comic. I I don't want to over. I don't know how to have this conversation without praising Invincible. So, <laughs> so <laughs> <I try to laughs> let's go. That needle. The the amount 
of drama that can <laughs> and creative freedom and how much it opens up a book to be not tethered down by you know characters that they can't kill off for marketing reasons yeah um makes this book work so well in those few issues when it was like one of the three is going to die and then you know the way the, the entire way it plays out i was on the edge of my seat i was so invested like emotionally into these characters that when that happened i was genu- i was stressed out <laughs> yeah. which one of these characters was going to die and then i was really bummed when it was Edie, like the the her death scene in um mr sensitive's arms is really sad like i got i was very wrapped up in that and because you feel like i just you know i didn't have that thing in the back of my head where i was like well you know when colossus i mean colossus is dead right now <laughs> in x-men we didn't even read it yeah, yeah. Uh, because we'll probably just see him come back and it will be fine um <laughs> yeah like it, that kind of thing i mean there are a bunch of letters about this there's one really good letter pointing out how Actually, there's a ton of people writing in mad about it, like genuinely just pissed and being like, bring her back. Um, which is so a good, a which is a good, like, like, it's like, you have to remember the book you're reading. Like, like, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's, it's that moment of like, hey, remember Next Force on 116 where you all lost your minds because we killed off the team we just mm-hmm. introduced you to? We're still that book, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. we're still that book. We still do these things. We kill your darlings um, and it hurts and it has yeah. more. I mean, you're totally right. Like, it has more tension. It has more dramatic impact. I was actually thinking about like, like what are some other like, what are some death ofs that we've ha- that you've had a similar emotional response to in the flipping oh, history of Marvel? Well, I'm trying to think. I was thinking like which Marvel books have made me tear up before, right? Because I got like a little misty eyed here because mm-hmm. I got really invested in Mister Sensitive and Edie's relationship. Yeah. Like I think their relationship is great. Like I got really stuck sucked into like them as a couple. Um, and I was trying to think of it like the only other moment I could think of in all of Marvel comics is, um, just that really sweet moment where Wolfsbane, uh, meets Moira and she's all sad cause she feels like she's being ignored. And then Mo- Moira like greets her as her daughter <laughs> yeah. and like runs up and like showers her with like hugs and kisses. And that was like really sweet and made me choke up a little bit. But like, um, yeah, besides that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Definitely not question. something like this, like. I don't think a death scene ever got to me like this. <laughs> the death of Odin. Oh yeah, God. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> After that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good. It's a good question. I mean, yeah, I like I have Slack, one. Uh, point out stuff that made them. You know. Yeah, Charlotte. Do you have any yeah, any picks? I have one up, like upcoming example, uh, so I can't really talk about it. Um, Kieran Gillen. He's fine. He's okay. <laughs> the death of Kieran Gillen. <laughs> My good friend Kieran is doing well. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I like, yeah, we'll, we'll see when it gets, when we get there. I, but yeah, I can't think of like an example of a death that actually hit me. Cause like, but I also can't think of an example of a death that doesn't get walked back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, I think yeah, my, it's, my picks would be stuff. Captain Marvel handled by Jim Starlin. Uh, does it make me cry? Yeah. No, but is it handled quite well? I, no. I think yeah. so. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, I'm with you on that one. Gwen Stacy, another one. Does it make me cry? No. Is it super impactful and and kind of momentous yeah it it actually is um it feels real for peter at least in that moment yeah totally and i guess i I don't know like gene gray i guess it's kind of impossible to have like like dark phoenix saga is such a good story but it's kind of impossible to have like real strong emotions um in a sad way because it's you know you know the history of it um you know yeah like unless you're 
anyway and uh, that oh god i love I, I just reread all that and like as much as i love that stuff that last battle on the moon <laughs> really sucks the drama out mm. of the, the those whole proceedings you know they really like back and forth and back and forth between you know dark phoenix phoenix dark phoenix yeah we don't need to we don't need yeah, to right. get into it but i asked a while ago i was like what are the most overrated marvel events paraphrasing whatever the actual question was and a number of people came in hot with the dark phoenix saga like really like not not like a, it wasn't like a leading contender but like a decent amount of people <laughs> were like yeah, i think definitely that ending that. is a little sour uh it, it's not terrible but i i think it kind of is a, a mediocre cap on an excellent event yeah like excellent arc like i think that that arc is really really good uh in the build-up to it is so good um yeah having just reread it like it stood up totally on a second read but. zach on the spot anyway. what's better yeah. death of Edie sawyer death of jean gray oh Edie for sure for yeah. me at least right like just for yeah. but you know that it's like on a different level right like is this a better like superhero arc i don't know like, it, like it's tough to compare because these are I really different things. Yeah, spotting it up against Dark Phoenix is a weird, a weird comparison. All right, well, we, we better move also, on because we, we've been talking Exiles. For wait, one, one more, one more Exiles question: Is this like the only thing in Marvel Comics that we could never see adapted to the MCU? <laughs> if they announced an Ecstatics movie, I would immediately be like, oh, forget it. Terrible, well, that was kind of what I was saying idea. earlier. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I would not be excited about that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah even the, even in a post Guardians world, I don't think they could get this. Right. Yeah, in the I mean, in the current state of Marvel Studios and the MCU, I don't see it. Yeah. Like yeah. the way yeah. I would imagine it would be like an animated show on Disney Plus, like that would be targeted at adults. Mm. But like that's I not want that. that's not in the cards yeah. for Disney right now. So yeah, I, don't know. I mean, She Hulk yeah, is, like, is probably the closest they can get. Yeah, to the attitude of and this. She Hulk's like a PG sex comedy. It's pretty tame. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. So I yeah, don't so. want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, if, I guess if they announced to me that, the closest. I, as as, yeah. Sorry, go on, Charlotte. The closest thing they've done is like the which they haven't done because it wasn't Marvel Studios, but like the Modok and Hit Monkey shows. Like those are like adult shows with. Marvel characters, I feel like in that style but of not that tonally, realm, those are going for like Family Guy vibes, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I guess. At least Modok is. I I don't yeah. think like the, nothing they've ever done has hit the level of like uh, I don't know something new tonally, uh, something unlike you know they they are so safe they play it so safe yeah, um, yeah. which is why Ant-Man 3 is actually really good cuz it's very safe <laughs> let's skip it let's give it for the variants let's give it for the variants <laughs> sorry i knew dave has been <laughs> about i just this. spit my drink out you monster <laughs> <laughs> yep um yes yeah yeah they they would not be able to do that. okay yes let's please let's please move on um you want to talk about chamber uh <laughs> requested by the patreon backer kyle s i want to point out we have two separate kyle s's adding comics this year alone a couple uh, episodes those are two different, different people s. incredible <laughs> i know the council of kyle strikes again well done we do have the council of cross time kyle's in the slack yeah that's I think amazing. there's four of them uh okay yep. so let's do let's do exiles first because i think we can do that faster and then we'll move to the patreon okay. backer um all right zach i saw you were angry last night about how much ex- <laughs> I saw how angry you were about how much exiles you had to read. I have two comments. One, okay, give yourself more time than a single night, you lunatic. Okay, okay, that's wait, on well, you. I just let, let's no, let's talk about that because I, I just basically so I don't have to write notes. I just read all the comics the day ahead of time. 
which generally works because we usually read 12 to 15 issues. We read 26 for this batch. I don't. So you <laughs> have these lists it's a little months in advance. I'm not. It didn't surprise yeah, you on Friday I, with the homework I assignment. I sit down on Saturday morning with my cup of coffee and I go, all right, what's on the docket for today? And then I, <laughs> you know, okay. start swearing when I so, realize. I so a failure of preparation on yes. your part. Let's make that very clear. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Second That's fair. point I wanted to make. I did not need to include nearly as much exiles in this. In this <laughs> no, I don't know why there was so many. <laughs> I was like, oh, it'll be fun to do like, you know, just because what I wanted was just to get a glimpse of like, oh, the different what if scenarios. Um, but what yeah. actually winds up happening is kind of within each arc. Generally, they will just drop like four or five like, oh, we did this and we did this. And it's it's they don't actually fully play out the scenario, but it's kind of referenced. And it gives you enough of a sense of like, yeah, this is the world hopping what if crew um and they deal with every kind of scenario like when the scrolls took over earth and have been ruling there forever and have turned superheroes into roman coliseum fighters or you know when dr doom is in a war against namor and they have to help one of them or uh they have to kill a young richards <laughs> who will grow up to be a conqueror right you get all these different what if scenarios that is the hook and then judd winnick and mike mccone do Good, not as good as X Force ecstatics work, um, character work, but generally mm -hmm. pretty good. Uh, I like yeah, these solid. characters. Yeah. I like hanging with them. I am not nearly as glued to every word. Certainly, you know there are a lot of sequences where they're, I'm just they're like, a little flip, dense. flip flip flip. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like Blink. I like this use of mimic. I like Morph. I like Nocturne. You know, like I, I like it's it's a similar thing in terms of appeal like we're talking about with X-Force and X-Statics, where it's like, you can do whatever you want with these characters. Nobody's that tied to them, you know? Like, you, you have some mm -hmm. freedom in ways that you don't have in in the other core mainline books. Um, so anyway, I think it's a really fun series. It's the same commentary we had last time, which is, it's fun, but the fact that we're reading with X-Statics makes it like, well, yeah, but it's not that good. <laughs> which is, you know, not really X-Hal's fault. I, yeah, I have, like, almost nothing new to say <laughs> about it. Like... It, yeah, can I get a bit of the like me. temperature of what what you feel uh, like for this comic? But because I I, did, I wasn't there last time, I'm really curious what you guys thought of the like the first batch of comics you read for, for yeah. Exiles. Uh, fun, but like maybe not so, definitely not something I want to like binge. Something that I'm kind of like. Okay. I think I would have fun with this if I was not doing. I I want to chalk up a little bit of my distaste for this, and I don't really have that much distaste. I just kind of don't have patience for it. Uh, to like the my marvelous year method of having to read. Okay, like we had eight issues, which you last did night, to yourself. I really didn't. A little bit, but like even so, like reading eight issues of this in a in you a know, single in night. a batch, like yeah, <laughs> or even across three nights, like it's one that I I would want to take a little slower because it is dense, like with dialogue and stuff. Um, and it's also just like it's kind of fun to me, so I I, I like it. Okay, it, it's a little bit of like not my thing more than it's something that I actually have like okay. strong critiques for. Um, oh boy! But um, I think the I premise think is those... incredibly fun, and I really like the characters. Uh, that's yeah. Said... I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I think these are the best, like, basic X Men comics we've read since Clement. Yeah. <laughs> is the thing so like I'm We're not in the talking of about Morrison stuff in X Men. Are you not yeah. including that? No, I'm not. So I'm not including oh, stuff like okay. Morrison. Like I'm talking like basic ongoing team stuff. Like, uh -huh. no big brain ideas, no Morrison stuff, no, like, none of that, like, big event-style stuff. Just talking, like, ongoing X-Men comic, 
focused on the team relationships and like maybe a wider story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically, best stuff since Clements. Like, I, yeah, I had exactly as much fun as I did, like, reading, I don't know, Clement Sinkovich, New Mutant stuff. Like, it's... <laughs> All right. I don't know, it's... Wow. Yeah, it's so cool. fun. I really like the team. I like the... I don't know, I had a thought, like, the... With the, like, cross-time stuff and, like, alternative rea alternate rea reality stuff, it's very... Like, the point of comparison for me is, like, Excalibur with uh, Clement and Davis. Oh, like, so it feels better. like a very much idea for the team and their adventures. <laughs> what, wait, what did you say? I said it's no, so much better nothing, than nothing. Excalibur. I'll say yeah, it again. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is. <laughs> like, because I think the reason Exiles works for me, but Excalibur doesn't, is, like... The focus on the team dynamics and how the the different people on the team work with each other is like it feels like real human beings. Whereas like with Excalibur it's like enhanced, exaggerated superhero drama. So I, I can never really get into like loving those characters. Like except the one like the there are some like Nightcrawler Kate, like I love them from before excalibur but like reading excalibur doesn't make me love like captain britain or megan or those characters yeah exiles make me work made me love like mimic like i didn't care about mimic who's that guy uh, <laughs> and I, now i love mimic i love uh, like yeah i really love that team of characters i'm gonna read all of this like i had cool. so much fun That's like great. on the basic ongoing superhero Team level, I think this is the best X-Men stuff since Clement, since Clement by so, far. When I when I said earlier, like my you know my thoughts about it, you went like oof, even though I didn't actually criticize the book. <laughs> no, no, um, you didn't, but like you were like kind of. Hey, I just said it. It's I fine, literally I said it. Just is not for me that much. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But I will like, say, but uh, I feel I like I'm coming about, in like way let, too let hot. Me, for... Let me agree with you. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I agree with you about your, your X-Men comment. Like, post-Claremont, I think this is also, like, the best, like, you know, team-based mutant book. Well, yeah. I'd agree with that. Age of Apocalypse sure. does throw a wrinkle into this this commentary. If you take Age of Apocalypse out and you don't count... Yeah, I guess... You but don't it's count not Morrison, built which to be an ongoing argue, stuff. You know? Age of Apocalypse is not built oh, yeah, to be ongoing. But, I mean, yeah, if you don't count those two... Yeah. Then sure. what else would you yeah, yeah. read? You know? So... I mean, yeah. it, it's one that I like. I I feel like I would have a good time with if I got to read like an issue here or there instead of like. It's just not one that I like. Kind of like yeah. with Claremont X Men, where like I often just get. I'm just tired, you know. <laughs> I'm just tired, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know? I have like the exact opposite experience because like I read today. Not only did I read all of the comics for today, but also read the Ecstatics and Exiles comics you read last time. And so I read, like, I don't know, maybe 20, wow. 15 issues of Exiles, and, like, I could have kept going. Like, this stuff is fun. I'm <laughs> so happy. I'm so happy with you, Charlotte, time. and how much you are putting Zach to shame. <laughs> you did extra homework just for fun. Ah! Oh, well, yeah, kind, okay. That's the I, kind I'm... of dedication we need around here, baby. <laughs> Love it. <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> don't praise people. I also have reading. more time in the day. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I got a family, Dave. I don't know if you know what that, you know, what that's like. And like, I I wake up like ten hours before recording, so I have a lot of time to read before the recording. Don't don't explain mm -hmm. it. Don't explain it. Just let yeah. me just let me celebrate <laughs> your success here. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. No, I love that. Yeah, I think Exiles is incredibly fun. I think it is. I mean, I think it's it's you know much like X Force and Ecstatics, like. If you're not that hooked by the premise in the first four issues or whatever, 
like it's not going to change <laughs> like this yeah. is the yeah. book you know what i mean so like you're either in or you're out um it, on how much you're gonna it also feels this. like something kind of like claremont x-men where i i felt a little bit like i either need to just jump all in on this or you know like i'm not gonna like i can't kind of skim through this and get the gist of it right like it's dense yeah. with character it's dense with like the plot machinations are whirring around from one thing to the next and it's like i either need to like you know jump in fully or this is not going to work for me so um it's something that I, I, I kind of maybe i'll return to someday and like read from the beginning and feel like you know try to actually ground myself in because we even skipped a few issues and even then i was like i feel a little lost here do i want to invest the time to like figure it out yeah uh, can we talk about the mariko coming out stuff because i think that's interesting in like kind of the standout here. yeah yeah for sure mostly i just want to talk about like is morph is weirdly like a homophobic queer icon yeah yeah there's there's a little bit of morph being like very very much like a dude of the time of like oh damn she's a lesbian like but i was hot for her that sucks and like she's like yeah. Oh, Morph, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that you had a crush on me and I turned out to be gay. Like, she's reassuring him, which is a really strange... He's not, he's also he's not wearing that a negative about half it, though, of the, the way you're picture, describing no, pictures no. he appears in. No, he, he's not. He's not. It's just, it's a strange dynamic to come out. But also, like, Morph is constantly, like, dressing up in... Yeah. Clothing and, yeah, like, like a these, lot. Like, very yeah. big, campy outfits. And I'm like... If I didn't know better, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they're intentionally doing some, you know, like, genderqueer stuff here. But then, not really, because his personality is very much like, I don't know, Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> um, but uh, he, he graded on me less this time. He's he's pretty fun. Like, I, I got used to him a little bit. Um, he's actually, like, he's actually, like, what if Deadpool was good? Um yeah, uh, he's very Deadpool, yeah, like both sure. yeah. both queer and homophobic at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like with a surprising heart underneath it all, you know. Yeah, that's this is the issue where we get to see some of that. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I mean, it's still kind of like th there's a hesitance to be getting like too on board because like the thing here is that all the exiles want to go to a nude beach, and they ask Mariko to distract morph so that he's not you know like sexually harassing them <laughs> throughout <laughs> right and then yeah Mariko distracts him by taking him to like try she's trying on lingerie and then he just you know like hubba hubba's her the whole time and then she's like basically he's like i know i know what you're doing you know i know that you had to distract me because of who i am <laughs> and she's like i'm sorry morph and it's like well t you were gonna sexually harass everybody <laughs> like you don't have to apologize to him yeah. for needing to distract the sex creep like <laughs> like he would be inappropriate with everybody um it, and it does work better if you do feel like he's you know kind of uh i don't know yeah that that kind of like can't be queer outsider and he's just goofing around rather than he's actually like horny and harassing these women but mm -hmm. um, yeah 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 he's fun uh th this conversation was kind of interesting and it was interesting to have like uh an someone coming out of the closet like this uh in such kind of a natural way like and it wasn't a very like you know it wasn't a big emotionally wrought thing and it was just very like kind of naturally handled and, and it was a surprise i didn't see it coming um yeah charlotte what do you think about that i'm curious your, your thoughts about like yeah i mean i don't think i was expecting it either just because well i think she, she's mariko she, she's like i know for, so far the version of her we've seen is has never Wolverine's been depicted as, right. yeah, yeah she's never been depicted as, as queer or anything 
Uh, and like I know it felt like a very basic thing of of, of we're gonna pair the the team in various uh, relationships and like the only couple that's left is Morph and Mariko. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I it's it's funny. Like it feels the coming out scene feels natural in the way Mariko does it does it. But like it's very uh, the straight friend uh, like mourning the loss of their straight friend <laughs> of, of their like potential like relationship <laughs> yeah 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 uh, which a, is like what I was talking about. pretty boring um but yeah i don't know it's like it, it is it works with uh with uh most character and i i kind of like that like all of the the rest of the team already knows it's just more that's like just doesn't listen um so like it is like the subtext is like, oh, the, the rest of the team probably had the same discussion and it was very casual and it's fine. Um, yeah, it feels, I don't know, it feels normal and casual in a way that's like nice to see. Um, but yeah, like, it's also not adult presents. Pre- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, especially compared to, I think a lot of writers' instincts would be to lean into the trauma of the bad reaction. You know, think about yeah. Ultimate X-Men and Nightcrawler, right? With Colossus mm-hmm. or something where yeah. it's like, oh, let's really lean into someone taking it badly. Um, which I think in the right hands, you know, those are, those are realities and stories to be told. But when you do it so infrequently <laughs> in Marvel comics, yeah. it's like, it's actually way preferable, at least to me as a reader to see it, you know, where the team is like, yeah, like understanding. And it's not this, it's not used as a wheel for trauma and plot. Yeah. It's just who this character is and everyone now will continue to have crazy multiverse hopping stories with that fact yeah. you know around us as well yeah i do hope like it, it gets i don't know play if it's gonna be an ongoing story like i hope it's just like not this because i don't think it comes up at any other moments um like and there also there's not really room for it because of the kind of stories that are told like mm. there's not really um moments where they get to meet people to have relationships with or anything like that like it doesn't get to come up often uh, but, like, I hope it's not just pushed to the side and, like, like kind of North Star was after his initial coming out. Like, right. we've had the coming out issue and now we can go back to pretend, like, they don't have sexuality or romantic relationships. Um, yeah, I, it, it, it will be interesting to see how it gets treated as, a, as an ongoing, like, storyline. But, like, I, I'll keep reading for sure. Like, I had a lot of fun with this. Love to hear it. Yeah. Love to cool. hear it. All right. Yeah, Let's finish good. things off here with our Patreon-backed edition <clears throat> Chamber, four issue mini. Kyle's just been sweating. Written by Brian K. Vaughn, pencils by Lee Ferguson, inks by Norm Ratmond, colors by Jose Villarubia, letters by Dave Sharp. Okay, let me premise this by saying I read this series in advance of selecting the 2002 comics. Zach, what did you think? (laughs) Uh, I'll start out with something really positive. it's not the worst Brian K. Vaughn we've read for Marvel. Uh, his, <laughs> ultimate, his ultimate X-Men is uh, a disaster. And this shows that, like, he's a pretty good writer. Like, you can read this and be like, oh, this guy's got, you know, got some talent right in, like, a little superhero comic. I'm putting um, together really um, good. I'm putting together a best Ultimate Universe Moments article for Poppers yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, was, I was looking at what have people selected in the past. And one of the articles from somebody I like included the Mr. Sinister stuff from Vaughn's I Ultimate kn- X-Men. Did- I almost threw my computer out the window. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> did you see that thing? Because I found a Reddit post that was like, what are the best, um, you know, like, things that the Ultimate Universe introduced, mm-hmm. right? And one of the, like, 
top five things. What what was an interesting change? And it was like number five was I'd add Sinister turning into Apocalypse after killing a certain amount of. It is an interesting it change. Like, oh. It is not a good change. <laughs> yeah, people really, really dislike. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the uh, the art's really good. I generally really like the art, specifically the inking. They're using like digital inking to um, or not inking the coloring to fill in chambers like creepy swirling uh chamber i guess um in really fun ways well let's describe and, chamber because uh, this is not a character we talk about a lot yeah we talked about him i think briefly on in generation, generation x, x. Yeah. yeah yeah he's uh what he's got like power building up in him that exploded and he's got the coolest design i actually like pulled rose over just to look at the design because i was like you should see this guy he's so cool <laughs> Um, yeah, his, his mouth is a fire explosion. Gaping hole. <laughs> yeah, but like from just, his like nose his to his throat is like just fire. Yeah. yeah, which it, looks really cool. Like it, it is really well drawn and it looks, I don't know, very striking. Like which, mm-hmm. the, it's a very visually and like color wise dark comic. So when you get like in a dark room, a character all dressed in black with black hair and like that fiery red and yellows, like it looks really really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's really, it's a very like striking design. Um, the comic is about Chamber enrolling in college to find out, uh, a, like, this college, Empire State University, is doing an affirmative action program to bring like open, op- outwardly uh, visible mutants onto campus, and a bombing just happened at a like a group of activist mutants. Um, and like six of them are dead and chamber enrolls as a student kind of undercover to find out who killed these mutants and i found out i figured it this is four issues long uh by the end of the first issue i was like oh it's gonna turn out that <laughs> it's gonna turn into something where like it's actually mutants behind it it's not gonna be anti-mutants it's gonna be this yeah that was not old rug pull that was not a spring turn that as a mystery goes. yeah and i was like God, the, the impulse this is i I really want to examine this impulse of like liberal writers to then like take a cause that they believe in and then say, but the actual villain is the people who take the cause I believe in too far. It's like concern trolling in your own comic. It's, I mean, that's, that's pretty ingrained in X-Men. Oh my God. Don't you think it's, oh yeah, for sure. It feels like right out of Stan Lee days, right? I mean, who, are like, the, who are the X-Men? I agree with your enemy. message. I just, yeah, I just don't agree with the, you know, the way you're doing it, uh, it's 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 so. Annoying. All right, before before on, we get to the end of it, because because okay, before so, I start tirading, yeah, yeah, because no, I think it's worth it's worth exploring. But the end of this, I think, is atrocious. Mm-hmm. Cyclops has a line, <laughs> like is like one of the worst things he's ever said. I think, um, yeah, it's oh, it's so the birthday. four issue, <laughs> the four issue mini itself, pretty decent. Like it's a, it's a pretty yeah, decent yeah, mini. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't quite I include it because Brian K. Vaughn has done much better work. Um, saga, mm-hmm. Runaways, uh, Pride of Baghdad, oh, Saga, <laughs> Private Eye, right? So many great books. Uh, Why the Last Man, Deus Ex Machina. I can keep going. Um, this is not the Ex, Ma- Ex Machina. X-Men. Is, Ex Machina is very similar to this. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, similar. You know, it's the yeah. same time frame, right? So, but it makes good, sense. good. Um, I like, I like Ex Machina, but yes, yeah. it's got the same politics. So. Uh, it's, it's a real, it's an interesting mini, especially if you're a huge X head. Um, or if you really mm-hmm. like Generation X, you know, like you are never going to get a chamber mini again. <laughs> so, so have at it. It's a pretty solid premise too. Um, okay, we have a college, Empire State University, uh, alma mater of Peter Parker, and they are attempting 
mutant integration seemingly for like I guess not the first time maybe you know it's not like 60 civil rights but like the parallels are pretty heavy um but it's you know it's more just like we're affirmatively <laughs> bringing in more mutants openly right and then you have these kind of heavy-handed ham-fisted but realistic conversations about like you know you only got in because you're a mutant right and those sort types of attitudes the the murder mystery which is really like a mass terrorism mystery um is pretty heavy as well it's incredibly predictable like like very mm-hmm. early it's too like they, there's a twist here that like i didn't see coming um regarding uh amber's roommate you know that's definitely a thing where i was like i don't know it's just kind of a detail as far as like her mutant ability like i didn't that was unexpected um but the actual like way this ends is like yeah you, you feel it coming i think i like chamber here as a character i like vaughn's characterization mm-hmm. is this yeah, kind of world weary brit yeah. mm-hmm. who you know he's part of the x-men but he doesn't you know he doesn't fit in and he looks you know weird has a hard time interacting with people because he's got to wear a scarf over his mouth to cover this phoenix flaming out of his face you know i when really like out. the detail when he bursts into his roommate's room and he's like i need you to make a phone call for me and his roommate's exactly yeah and it's like well, you just, you can make it. I don't have to do everything for you. And he's like, I don't have a mouth. I yeah. can't talk on the phone. I, I, I communicate psychically. I'd forgotten that um, detail that like he, all yeah, his communication yeah. is, is telepathy. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's like, it's pretty solid characterization. And uh, it's, it's really, for me, the downside is, is really just the ending. Um, it's the plot mechanics. The journey yeah. to that point, I think it's pretty solid. Um as opposed to like Ultimate X Men, where you read those and you're like, "How did the this is the guy that is writing like the most popular indie comic of all time yeah. right now? Like this guy is doing that? Like you don't see any of that in Ultimate X Men here. You're like, oh yeah, you can see it. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Some chops. I think so. Yeah. Charlotte, what, what did you think? It's just probably. the content. Yeah. yeah. I like. I didn't love this. Uh, I think it was yeah mostly fine. The ending is weird. Um, I do think this makes the case for, like, individual X-Men, like, character series. Like, I never, like, whenever I see a a Nightcrawler four-issue series or a Storm four-issue series announced, I'm, like, I'm never that interested because I've seen it happen and it's never, it's never really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But here, like, I don't know, it works really well to give the spotlight to a character that isn't on many teams doesn't have a a huge history or like hasn't had the spotlight that often i think it works really well and that's now i'm more interested in seeing chamber in like in an x-men team or generation x or whatever form that takes yeah uh yeah i i mean i like chamber now so that's i i think it does that's good a win. work with uh yeah definitely i think it does good and i also like I I still need to go back and read the the whole Generation X because I'm sure there's some good Chamber stuff in there, but I just mm-hmm. haven't found the time to do it. Um, but yeah, like I I think it's successful on that angle, and like I don't know, it it did convince me that that form of comics for single X Men characters is a good idea, and that maybe just like it does hasn't historically really really worked. I don't necessarily have another example of uh, of it working, but yeah, it's. It's interesting, but yeah, it's very I don't know the the politics stuff and and all that isn't handled that 
I don't know, carefully, interestingly, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Scott Summers advocating for no mutants outside of Xavier Institute is <laughs> okay, let, very weird. <laughs> I don't want to, like, cast too many aspersions on Brian K. Vaughan's specific politics. His politics in real life, right? No, yeah. Because I'm just talking about the politics me... of the comics. Or, like, yeah, the way they... We're just doing with. what's communicated here in this story. I mean, B- sure. BKV, I think, as an individual, is someone that I uh, admire, huge fan of. Um love a lot of the work and politically maybe has yeah anyway like i generally tend to agree i mean it's been 20 so. years also but yeah the, yeah i mean the, that's the, the thing, thing is like they were trying to have a say on an issue 20 years ago and we can talk about how that actually came across <laughs> to us now and, and you also so the the way that like because that's a trope that i was talking about where like kind of a liberal leaning piece of media will then like the villain will actually turn out to be someone who's on your side i you know kingsman the Kingsman movies do this, where, like, mm-hmm. both villains are, like, anti-climate change, you know, or the villain is anti-climate change, but then their solution is genocide, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I mean, it's the it's, it's the Flag Smasher problem, very much. It's the or Killmonger. Flag Smasher, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that you went to Flag Smasher, that, like, then Killmonger. That's very counterculture. <laughs> it was a whole thing on Twitter a few few days ago. Oh, okay. There. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> I don't actually even think it's Killmonger. I think Killmonger works. I don't think Killmonger is... Yeah, like, I also know, think Flag Smasher, like, suffers from it. I don't think Flag Smasher either, because Flag Smasher is, like, a right-wing... Isn't he... No, I'm, I'm no. talking about the Flag Smashers from, from the fucking okay. Winter Soldier show. Oh, yes. Yes. The Captain America and Winter... Yeah. Or, yes. Did you, all see, Winter Soldier show did you all see that side-by-side of Nuke and Trump's social profile photo, where they look exactly the same? <laughs> no, <laughs> With the flag painted on their face? <laughs> all right. We don't have to <laughs> no. dig into that. Okay. Okay, so okay. I, I just want to say, like, that trope, I do feel like maybe it's just a lazy way of being like, well, what are we going to make, you know, traditional bad guys the villains? No, we'll have to do a surprise. It's a you twist know, ending. The surprise would be. I, yeah, I mean. So, you know, even even if it's not politically motivated in there, you know, explicitly when they're thinking about it, like, that's still how it plays out. But I maybe the impulse is just to have, you know, to, for it to be a surprise. Oh, it's the person who's on our side politically was actually the villain i would i would put dollars to donuts that's the driving impulse but brian gavon also did ex machina right after this and ex machina has some of the most like centrist you know it's about the mayor of new york city at one point he's like i'm hiring as my education director a black democrat and i'm hiring as my police commissioner a white republican because it's not about being democrat or republican it's about getting along and going it's it's that not right left sure forward kind of thing sure and he's got that all over ex machina and it rings here too including at the end that thing of cyclops (laughs) (laughs) i just want to talk about the plan here which is basically to pull back mutants from colleges from just you know regular outside hang on i I think we need to explain why why this is happening right the way this ends just Uh, just the plot okay the the way the plot actually resolves is so there's this bombing seemingly chambers investigating it and then basically he uncovers that by the end of this, that this human mutant ally who was dating one of the mutants, her boyfriend, developed chamber-like powers of energy explosion, accidentally couldn't control them and released too much of the energy. And it's actually a mutant who killed these individuals, um, not intentionally. And then it's, it's Chamber's mutant friend, Amber, and this mutant ally who are covering it up essentially Mm -hmm. and blaming it on like anti-mutant 
terrorists. Yeah, Neutrino Annihilator, who I got to say is a character I want to see again. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'm on board too. That guy's guy's kind of cool. (laughs) It is kind of fun to, like, he writes him somewhat compellingly Uh to being, like, someone who's really into, like, Magneto and Sabretooth. In the way he is, like I like that. It's like, it's yeah, Magneto was right before that was popular. I like that detail here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Like he wears a Magneto T-shirt. But the thing is, like, you kind of feel like he's doing it. Like he's making fun of like college kids wearing Che Guevara <laughs> T-shirts. Where it's like, anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so college kids end... are walking around in Che Guevara T-shirts. <laughs> oh, what a cool surprised. school. A lot. I don't know. That was like, when I was in college. I saw the like the red T-shirts with Che Guevara on them. A fair amount you did go yeah, and when now, i went to go college, to like two years ago i also said that <laughs> yeah yeah okay i i went to yeah, yeah i like went a very to common um, college, like poster uh, a democratic school poster. in in uh mm-hmm. the deep south so <laughs> okay oh uh, well there you go <laughs> um yeah I, w- I went in you know communist maine uh to a public yeah, yeah. University. no your 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 marx and lenin university experience was very i different. did see i was at the post office the other day and someone was wearing a um uh the weather underground is that uh-huh. uh, the, uh yeah they were wearing uh like a t-shirt <laughs> with the you know what actually I, I will i will back. walk back my st- first off i didn't actually go to school in the deep south that was a weird joke um second off oh okay uh, we all just believe <laughs> yep just gonna walk that back immediately <laughs> yep. and the other thing i'll walk back is i was not politically aware enough that if i saw shake of air shirts i would have any idea who that was so <laughs> i'm wrong you're right please continue <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Good, good diversion. Um, <laughs> so what happens is the affirmative action program gets nixed at the public university. Cyclops is basically like, it's for the best. <laughs> They're not ready. These people, these mutants are dangerous. And then, and Cable's like, or not Cable, uh, Chamber is like, um, you know, really upset. He's like, oh, we're moving backwards, you know, our rights. And, you know, as mutants, we're, we're you know, we're, we need to progress faster. And then Cyclops is like, yeah, well, are you going to say that after... Are you still going to be so mad after you see the new program that I just unveiled, which is to bring non-mutants to the school mm-hmm. <laughs> as, like, exchange students? It's so funny. Like, this is such a big-brained, like, um, what's the, like, po- politics wonk kind of, like, if only we could have the most clever, unintuitive policies to, you know, yeah. get us out of problems. Like, it's such, like... Let's weirdly revert. Like, let's not do the very popular, obvious thing that could function correct, but it's you know, <laughs> like that could actually fix the problem. Let's do something like really strange and backwards, and let's. It, it, I mean, the thing is, this as soon as you bring this to real world, um, like a real world context, it's so funny. Of like, you know what? We shouldn't segregate white schools and black schools. We should just bring the racist white kids to the black schools so that they'll become less racist. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's it's where my so head funny. went. Was like, okay, if after <laughs> difficulties in pushing for school integration, mm-hmm. Cyclops commentary would have been like, ah, <laughs> oh, we we pushed too hard. We went for too much mm-hmm. too soon. Let's walk it back. It's like that is not the heroic attitude that we uh-huh. celebrate <laughs> in terms of especially civil in a comic that directly references the problem we will live with. Like it directly references like the first black kids in in like public school in like all white and black schools like yeah. it just that's not it's not subtle about talking about that like in comparing it to mutant issues like yeah it's it's bonkers which is which is mutant metaphor crossover that is that is 
a problem in and of itself, right? Like it's yeah. you're making mm-hmm. the parallels sure. more direct than they typically can function with, um, and you're not <laughs> you're not really prepared to deal with that. Yeah, that ending is brutal. Like that Cyclops line is like it's really, listen. If, but like it's people so people t- like dis- dislike Cyclops <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. But nobody holds up this as an example, and if more people read it, you know, like, this would be, like, one of the absolute go-tos of, like, his worst moments. I mean, it's brutal. It's so big-brained, too, of, like, yeah, I want school integration, but not the way you think. Like, I'm bringing the <laughs> yeah, white. Right? I'm, br- <laughs> I'm bringing the racists to us. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really funny. Yeah. Um, well, it's also like I'm, I'm you glad know, we read Vaughn, it just for how interesting that is at the end. You know, I'm actually I'm actually glad we read it too and got to talk about it. So good pick, Kyle S. I think I think you've avoided the clown. Oh no, he's got the clown. I already put the no. Clown come on, this is a good yeah, pick. I'm sorry, it's too. Actually, no I have to figure out which this both Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, you'll <laughs> never Kyle know which Kyle. Getting the so so that's <laughs> yeah. you're never gonna. I guess you just have to give it to both of them. I'm assuming the next Kyle is gonna get point. it wrong, and then <laughs> one of them will have. They to added the another Thor comic, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm assuming it. Um, yeah. So the the thing I wanted to say, just a final <laughs> thought here, is okay. Vaughn actually does a really nice job bouncing off of what's happening in Morrison's new X Men. There's some referential stuff. It fe- this actually feels like a mini that is occurring during Morrison's new X Men. You know, um, in terms of Cyclops and the behaviors and kind of where the school's at. But then when you look at the attitudes of Morrison's new X Men, right, and the growth of mutants and their popularity in the culture, and all of this change that is happening and the world getting accustomed to it, the idea of more mutants going to typically human colleges is something that in Morrison's run would continue to happen and expand, right? So then it makes Cyclops' Mm -hmm. answer and Vaughn's resolution to all this the total opposite of what is actually happening in the wider Marvel universe. I think it's bad in and of itself. It's worse in continuity <laughs> because that totally, it's totally <laughs> counter to what should be happening. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, it's yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, it's, it is funny. Cause I, I do think, I mean, still among like, not as bad as ultimate X-Men, but among the worst things I've read from Brian K. Vaughn, like I don't even really like why the last man, but that's, you know, miles beyond this. I would be, um, Flipping so shocked if BKV w- was asked about this and was like, "Yes, yeah, stand by it, love it." <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably, I, I probably not the case, <clears throat> or even remember that he wrote. It. I mean, truly, <laughs> to be honest, yeah, it's been twenty years, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do, I do think Brian Kavon. Like the reason I think Saga works so well is because it is divorced from any real world context, and so like, you know, I, I, anytime his like politics and and I, again. Maybe not his politics, but his political discussions sneak in. Uh, I generally don't love it in his comics. That's why Saga works so well for me, because it's just that total like creativity and character work. And, yeah, Zach uh, hates politics plotting. in his comics. Like, keep politics out hearing. of Saga comics. Get, get your politics saying. out of my comics. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, 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 it's true. I mean, it, it did make me think, like, who, who is the most radical... Um, like political writer that like Marvel would ever will hire, right? Because like, <laughs> uh, well, there's the Hoche Anderson book that Luke Cage book that they shelved because it was too radical is the first yep. one that comes to mm-hmm. mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking like they, they uh, just, David F. I mean, Walker's Nighthawk wanna... is pretty overtly kind of anti-police slack and anti-guns slack secret santa and i haven't read it yet um, um got the trade paper i mean david f walker literally wrote the book on the black panther party so i feel like there's some cred there uh is that his the the 
Wait, is that his graphic novel? I have that on my shelf. I didn't know. The History of the Black Panthers, David F. Walker, and... Ah. I'm I'm forgetting the artist's name. I have it on my shelf here. Yeah, I have that, and I haven't read it yet. I didn't know it was Walker. Uh, I mean, there's there's others. I mean, that's... Yeah, Uh, yeah. anyway, it's just, you know, like, (laughs) this is the kind of stuff you get when you just hire the most, like... Oh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. I mean, doing Black Panther and... and Captain America actually wrote, especially the cat. You know, the Captain America run. Listen, this is a conversation maybe for another time. But like, first off, I think Marvel fandom slept on the fact that Tony Coates was writing Philip and Marvel comics. Like, and just it drives me insane. That Captain America run holds up so well um, in terms of taking on like toxic masculinity. Like, it's thirty issues of Captain America being like toxic masculinity is a problem. <laughs> and uh, I just feel like like so like most of the world was not ready for that conversation, and it's it's going to be increasingly relevant <laughs> as the years progress. People just weren't ready to hear that men can be talked. Not not in, in a Captain America comic done the way that it was. I, I just think I think yeah. a lot of fandom and critics didn't realize what was happening, including myself, including myself. Yeah. And then you see the rise of I'm, I'm Andrew Tate and Jordan yeah. Peterson and all these characters, right? And it's kind of like, oh, this was this was right. <laughs> this was ahead of its time. Anyway, that's not the conversation we're having. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested to get to this. Anyway, it that was less of a real question and more of just a bemoaning of. Well, I gave you some real like answers. I'm just a real. Yeah, one. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I'm, no, I'm glad you did. I wasn't. I wasn't upset you did. But like, just you know, Marvel just totally avoid. The thing is, it's not even like this is a political ideology that I'm uh, like angry at. Where I'm like, well, this is this man's ideology. And I'm just opposed to it because I actually prefer that <laughs> when it this is the kind of worst thing where it's coming from someone who is not grounded in any political ideology and just has that kind of like, I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. I just want progress. But divorced of, you know, I don't want, you know, I any, any kind of ideological grounding. I just kind of want things to get better. And then so you come up with these crazy, <laughs> crazy ideas of, you know, reverse integration. And stuff. I mean, I think Vaughn's I think uh, Vaughn's problem is at this stage is like they're a writer who's not afraid to try to tackle these things and have mm-hmm. honest conversations, but they're doing it through their work and it gets cemented and they didn't have the answers at the time that they wrote them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't get the feeling that he has much of a, you know, a light to shine on the issue here. I don't think he solves affirmative action in 2002. Uh, no. I also in this like chamber miniseries. I don't think we could yeah. say that. <laughs> And I also think the mutant metaphor, like, isn't helping. Like, I, I do yeah. think it is a big part of where the comic is failing. Because, like, if you apply it to, like, black pe- people getting into into traditionally white schools, it's like, well, yeah, but black people can't explode out of nowhere. Like, that's not, that's not a thing that happens to people. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't. So that is actually a key point. I don't... I, Listen, this will be another half hour, so I don't know that we want to dive. But, like, <laughs> I keep seeing... No, I keep seeing writers, like, writing the X-Men currently. Like, kind of espousing that that point. Yeah, let's talk about Karen Gillen's Immortal X-Men again. Please. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it's, like, the the point that, like, well, okay. No, I agree, I agree. We can't just, overextend yeah. this metaphor because mutants are threatening sometimes. Like, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, like, I don't know. Like, the, the point, like, it's, like, some of these writers, I like, keep reiterating the point of, like, you know, this metaphor does not work... Because mutants can explode. Other humans don't in reality. That's not, we're not, you shouldn't yeah. actually, that, it is unjustly fear. You know, it's, it's the difference between unjustly, sworn to protect a world that unjustly fears and hates them or irrationally fears and hates them versus kind of has a reason to. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It and does feel very weird when, like... It's an interesting point. Yeah. It does feel very weird when uh, Chambers arguing with his roommate who's in a wheelchair. That's like that, like him being a mutant is worse than him being in a wheelchair. Like that feels like a weird argument. Yeah. When came on. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that that's what you want to make. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, I, I guess I'm glad we read it, but uh, I'm not gonna put this. No, it it, it is not. It's not a bad comic. It's it, it yeah. is interesting. But I wouldn't say Brandon it's a good is a either. very com- competent writer. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it. Yeah. it it's, it's an interesting comic with a very successful. bad ending. Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, where yeah, bring yeah. that out. Um, okay, but thank you, Kyle, for for having this. Yeah, one. I'm glad we got to talk about. It. I vote Next no. I vote no. face on Kyle, here. Charlotte. What's your vote? Um, I vote a like. What's the middle point between a, a happy emoji face and a clown face? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> a half clown. <laughs> face. A skull. A skull. Yeah, skull emoji. Skull emoji is good. Um. I'm trying to see if Kyle has added any other comics to our list, and I don't think so. I think this was their first, so okay, we we'll have to wait till they add something else. I think we just pit other. the Maybe Kyles just against each Kyles other together. since we have them both mm-hmm. this year, yeah. and yeah. the losing Kyle <laughs> right. has to wear the clown. Yeah, okay, that sounds fair to me. Yeah. Next time on My Marvelous Year, we're reading Fantastic Four one two three four, which is Grant Morrison and Jai Lee. Very excited about, and then the Mark Wade and. Weringo? Mike Weringo, let's go, baby. Mike Weringo. Run a Fantastic Four. I want to say, I'm, I am trying to temper my expectations because Mark Wade has not lived up to my expectations yet. <laughs> Anything we've read, I have, I have liked. I we've only read almost every... a little early Wade on Cap, right? I've read some yeah. Cap, and I'm like probably that doesn't count. 20. Does. Yeah, I don't, I don't count that. But his cap I liked, didn't love, and I'm like 20 to 30 issues into his Flash run, which oh. I also like, do not love. Okay. Uh, okay. I think it's 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 very good at times, and then it's just fine most of the time. I like Fantastic um, Four so like, more than I like Flash. Okay. It's something, like, I, I haven't had big complaints about his work. I just haven't, like, some people are like, I think he's my favorite writer of the era, and I'm like, I don't see that at all yet. So mm. I'm I'm trying to keep my, my expectations tempered, but I'm excited. Uh, and then we're reading some the end of the Kurt Busiek Avengers run, which is some Kang the Conqueror, that Kang War stuff that we started. The uh, Kang is, uh, couldn't be more relevant with Ant Man three coming out. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as good as Quantumania, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't definitely not. But um, just stop recording, and I'm throwing my mic in the sea. <laughs> Your hostility about this is really funny. To we me. will. We will be. I guess you'll have heard our variant cover about. Yes. Oh, that's time, right. I guess right? the variant so will be. Been out this will be coming out yeah. after. <laughs> you understand our opinions about quantum mania, so that will help yep. color things. We have not actually talked about it yet as, at this recording. Yeah. Zach refused to debate me <laughs> today <laughs> in the marketplace of ideas, and I just enjoyed the chaos. Yep. Charlotte, Charlotte refused to take a side. Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> <sighs> Music for okay. My Marvelous Year uh, is by Disaster yeah. Peace. You can find social for the show at Comic Book Herald or at My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave. You can find all my stuff at ComicBookHerald.com. Patreon.com slash Marmalous Year for support. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year. See you next year. Mm-hmm.